Welcome into another episode of Coach Time with John Lyons on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and today I am joined by a very special guest. That is Mike Cadlick. And no, he's not a special guest because he played quarterback at Worcester State University, although that is a cool fact. He is a special guest because he covers the Patriots for CLNS Media. He also does a ton of great work with sports gambling for those guys. Mike, it is a pleasure to have you on. I'm looking forward to hearing all your insight. Thanks for joining us today. Of course, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, we just went on about uh, some college football mascac stuff. Like we said, we probably could have done a whole pod on it, but let's focus on the Patriots and uh, and some draft stuff. For yeah, now, for we sure. will. We will do a mascac hour, I'm <laughs> sure, at some point. But we yeah. do. There, there is, you know, a big story in the NFL this week, and it feels like you know every week there's a big story in the NFL. Sure. But it's the scouting combine. It kicked off earlier this week. It goes through Monday, and the combine something that. 15, 20, 25 years ago was really, hey, these guys do some workouts, they do some interviews, and they go home. And it was a three- to four-day thing. Now it's a week-long process. It's a media event. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of the bones of it, the testing, the interviews are still there, but there's so much around it now that was not there even 10 or 15 years ago. So I just want to get your thoughts on the Combine itself. Are you a fan of the Combine? How valuable do you think it is or is not? And where just where are you at overall in the Combine? I, I love it as a media member because all these stories come out, right? You know, players are talking, coaches talk to um, ex- other executives and agents and things like that. It's sort of like a, a networking vacation, if you will, for for all these front offices. So from that aspect, I love it uh, because I think, you know, you get a lot of good, a lot of good stories and uh, you can see where teams are at as far as where they want to go for the rest of the offseason. From a testing perspective, right, like a 40-yard dash, and we talked about it on our show uh, last night, me and Alex Barth, um, just about how, how like how how much does a 40-yard dash really matter and how much does putting up 10 bench presses really matter, right? I mean, some guys look at it as, you know, you can be th- this physically gifted, so you'll translate, and you saw it with Tyquan Thornton last year, ran one of the fastest 40s, turns himself into a second-round pick, but – I don't know how much I really buy into all the the physical hype, but I do think, you know, when players get to meet with coaches one-on-one through the week and do the interviews and you get to learn sort of what these guys are all about, I think that part's very valuable. And it just adds another, another layer of getting, getting in front of a coach and executive's face to say, this is who I am and this is what I can bring to your football team. So there's pros and cons. Um, but I mean, overall it's, it's a good event. It's, it keeps football, in the calendar, right? You talk about the yeah. the length of time between the Super Bowl and free agency. It adds something to it. So uh, any football is good football. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about the interviews being more valuable than the testing. And I agree with Definitely. you because when scouts go to colleges, they can talk to these guys a little bit. They see them on game day. And football-wise, I think the most important thing is what do you do from September to December on film? That's going to be the biggest indicator of what you're sure. going to do in the NFL. But the testing has value, but more value is that interview because then the coaches can sit down and say, okay, I've seen this film on you. Maybe I know some of your testing numbers, but who are you as a guy? Who could you be as a right. teammate? Because I might hear you're a good teammate. I might even kind of know you're a good teammate based on what I've scouted, but now I can really sit down with you face to face. So I think you bring up a great point with that. And as far as the athletic testing numbers, mm-hmm. is there value? Is there one thing that I really am like, oh, I got to know is 40. I got to know is three cones. Right. Not really. Like, and we say this to our players. I mean, the bench press, I mean, if you're laying on your back, pushing someone off you, you probably lost the rep. So yeah, right. <laughs> like the bench press and uh, the bench press, look, you got to ha- be strong, duh, obviously to play in the yeah. NFL, but 
is 20 bench press reps different than, you know, 18? Does it really make a big difference? Right. I, and, and the other thing too, is the explosion of pro days over the last 10 years. And there's always been pro days, but now every school does a pro day. They're big events and there's just as much athletic testing there. And right. when we talk about the Patriots draft last year, and Mike, you do a great job covering the draft, you know, relative athletic score was a huge indicator of a lot of their picks, mm-hmm. but that's not just one test. I mean, Cole Strange just didn't run a fast 40 in their oh, draft. It was the complete athletic testing picture. So that's why I agree with you. I think the interviews are more valuable than any one drill and really the athletic testing part. Sure. The combine's valuable, but then you got the pro day numbers. You might have right. private workout numbers. So I think when teams look at the testing, it's more just that complete athletic picture rather than one test or anything like that. Right. And pro days have become more, it seems like more valuable than the combine itself because yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Bryce young, who is probably going to be the number one pick. He's probably a, he's a top three player in the draft, wherever you have him ranked. And he's not even throwing at the combine, which is supposedly the the premier event, but he's waiting for his own Alabama pro day to do it in front of his guys in his environment. So yeah, like you said, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, but it's, it's, it's a good showcase for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And mm-hmm. speaking of the combine and the showcase element of it, what are some guys, one, two, three guys that yeah. you're really, you have your eye on. And, and I know you cover the Patriots, whether it's as Patriots fits or just how you want to see they're going to test because you're excited about them as NFL players. Give me some names that you're really excited to watch this week. Yeah. So trying to look through a Patriots lens, like you said, um, I look at the Pats and I look at three like benchmark flagpole positions that they need going into next year. So I've really dug into the wide receivers the offensive tackles and the cornerbacks and they have picks 14 and they have pick 46. So I've kind of looked at two separate tiers to determine, you know, who they could get from each position at 14 and who they could get from each position at 46. And so blending, you know, Bill O'Brien's offense coming into the fold now blending their need at uh, left and right tackle versus who's available for free agents versus who's there, you know, in the draft at the top of the draft. That's sort of how I've looked at it. Um, But specifically at receiver, I look at a guy like Zay Jones and I look at a guy like Jordan Addison because they play that slot. Bill O'Brien's going to come in here. He's going to work the slot. He's going to find his matchups. And those are the two guys at the, in the top tier that I look at for pick 14, Jordan Addison. He's, I believe he's six foot. He's an elite route runner. Um, They can, they can, like I said, really work him into, you know, their matchups. His balance is off the charts from the games. I've seen him play both at Pittsburgh when he won the Blitnikoff award now we went to USC. Um, his balance is off the charts, right? You, you, you can't take him down right away. It's crazy. Yeah. And he um, learned two different offenses too. Exactly. Yeah. So um, incredible player. I think he's an option at 14 as a receiver. And then uh, I said Zay Jones. I mean Zay Flowers uh, from Boston College. Uh, local kid, which is always good. Um, that's one test I'm looking forward to seeing this week at the Combine is Zay Flowers 40-yard dash because he's a bit on the smaller side, but he has great hands. Um, so if he can run in the, the low fours, like everyone expects him to be and be sort of one of the top five fastest guys out there, he's going to shoot up the board and he's going to be without question, the top half of the first round pick. So that's why I look at receivers, offensive tackles. I go to the Ohio States, Paris Johnson. I go to Peter Skaronsky and Broderick Jones, right? Three guys at the top of the board. Um, one of them is probably going to be there at 14. So it's tough to look at the draft without knowing what the Patriots are going to do in free agency, right? because if they take a tackle, if they take a receiver, then they're going to flip the priorities. But for now, 
top three guys, offensive tackles, those guys, um, they're all huge. Skaronsky, another measurement you're going to want to see is his his arm length. Yes, I was just going to say, I'm sorry to cut you off, Mike, no, but as soon as it. you were done, I was going to say, I'm watching Skaronsky's arm length yes. measurement because we've seen, too, the Patriots, and this is an offensive tackle thing in general, arm length is a determining factor of success. You have so yeah. many speed edge rushers to get your hands on them. And I think this is one of the reasons, among many, that Isaiah Wynn struggled. Yep. He didn't have a huge frame. He didn't have a long reach. And we've seen guys come in who maybe aren't as purely talented as Isaiah right. Wynn, but they have that reach and it makes such a big difference. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I think that's a, that, that really is one of the biggest things I'm watching this week too. I'm with you because I mean, another, another name that's been sort of linked and an idea for the Patriots is Cody mock from uh, North Dakota state, but he's another fringe tackle guard guy, right? Just like Skaronsky. People think Skaronsky, people think mock are going to play guard in the league versus tackle. That's what Isaiah Wynn was. And I don't want one of those guys anymore. Yeah. I want a big body, Trent Brown type frame that's just going to wreck on the inside and the outside. Um, so that's why who I look at at tackles. Uh, and then corner, look, I've drooled over Joey Porter Jr. and Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. But the more I think about it, I don't think they're going to go corner at the top of the draft. So I focus on that sort of second tier, which is Julius Brents from Kansas State. He's almost 6'5". Uh, he's a beast on the outside. He brings that length that they need at boundary corner because – Look, the cornerback room in New England last year was solid. You know, you had Mills, the two rookies, and the Joneses, um, and then Jonathan Jones. But Jonathan Jones might walk, and there's not too much size in the room. So I want them to get the shutdown, Stephon Gilmore, Darrell Revis type guy that they had here for so long. Julius Brents is there. Cam Smith from South Carolina. Uh, I look at him as well. So I just want to see how these guys test and see, you know, where they put themselves in the next tiers following the draft. So those three positions, those are some of the names I look at. Yeah. And those are all great names. And I think you bring up a great point about offensive tackle and corner, because I think what we might see in free agency is they address right tackle, whether that's yeah. outright signing a right tackle or signing a guard and moving Mike on out to right tackle. And yeah. then the draft, especially the first round, that's your left tackle of the future. Maybe he takes Trent Brown's job or maybe at least pushes Trent Brown for this year to be the best version of himself and eventually right. develops. I agree. And corner it, it's, I'm it's actually loaded. working on a piece right now for the new England football journal about it in that their cornerback room last year had a ton of skill. It had great cover guys did not have a lot of length. I mean, right. Jonathan Jones's arms, I think where he's five ten and his arms were less than 31 inches long. Not yeah. a lot of, he's a great cover guy. In my opinion, the best slot corner in the NFL when he's in the slot. The and he did is, great. Sorry to cut you off, but he did great. He was such a great slot corner. And then they bumped him outside and it was like basically seamless. He played great on yeah. both ends. So. And I agree with you. And I thought for most of the year, John Jones was awesome. The only concern I have is when they played Justin Jefferson and Stefan right. Diggs, bigger got not just great players, bigger than him and longer than him. He did struggle there, which again, it wasn't like he was getting smoked in coverage, except on one of Diggs' touchdowns. Yeah. But over, it, he was there just not long. And Jalen Mills, same deal. He doesn't just not have long a, enough. Right. He's not long enough. And Jalen Mills is quick in short area, not great recovery speed down downfield. So, totally. and, and Jack Jones, great speed, not a big guy. Like they need no. that length yeah. there. I agree. And one name that I, I've really been looking more and more at, and I'm starting to fall in love with, and I think could be there in that second round range is Emmanuel Forbes from yeah, Mississippi been, State. That name's and, been coming up a ton the last few days. It really in, in has. Maybe. And he's got six pick sixes in his career, which is an FBS record, which that's the mm -hmm. number that jumps out at everyone. But right. look, at, at six foot 180, he's thin. And he does need to bulk up a little for the run game. But 
he moves really well at the line. He's got great speed, both in the short area and down the field. Like that could be a guy at 46, but I, I really see them. And I, I'm curious to see if you agree, disagree. I think first round tackle, second round corner, unless something crazy happens, trade and free agency. Yeah. I think it's first round tackle, second round, you know, corner with length. Well, kind of looping in free agency now too. It That's where it's going to depend because there's all the rumors and there's the talks about, it's it's not rumors. I have a hard time with rumors because it's more so like it's more so conjugate like made up story not made up, but it's storylines where yeah, um thinking about a receiver going into their fourth year contract year, they turn into trade targets and immediately everyone brings the pats in. So they turn into rumors. I don't know where they're at with them, but if they do bring in that cor- uh, that excuse me, wide receiver, whether it's free agency, whether they re-sign Myers or trade for a guy. T. Higgins, dare I say, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, maybe Brandon Cooks. That should sort of clear up the receiver room, and yeah. then you go to tackle and corner from there. Um, yeah, and so that's I think where Cooks, I see it happening. Cooks too. to me is probably the most realistic out of that group because yeah. Hopkins is older, and uh, you know I know he had the fumble against the Patriots. He is a com- competitor, but there are I don't want to say holes in his game, but I think he's not the guy he was three or four years ago. T Higgins, I think the cost is huge. And I think the Bengals, are (laughs) they're going to try to go for it. And they're G look, this is posturing season a year ago. Pete Carroll said, Russell Wilson's not going anywhere. And four days later he was traded, but I do believe Cincinnati when they say we don't want to trade T Higgins. Cause I think he's so like, it's tough to double Jamar chase when Higgins is the other guy. So, right. I think that's huge. They have too much going there on offense, and you don't want to break that up. And Cooks is a guy that he played under McDaniel, so it's a similar system to what O'Brien will run here. He's played here before under Belichick. as well. And he, I know it was one year, and I know in the Super Bowl he took that big hit. Mm-hmm. He also tried that dumb hurdle on the third and short <laughs> that led to a Goskowski missed field goal. Sorry to yeah. bring up bad memories. But overall that year, he was great. I mean, he mm-hmm. had a huge game-winning touchdown catch against Houston. I think he had over, I think, 1,100 yards receiving. My math is not quite with me, but he had yeah, a great a thousand, year. though, at least. Yeah, and he had a great year. So it's a guy that I think could fit not just here, but in this specific offense as well. And receiver is probably going to be a trade if they do it. When it comes to free agency itself, what do you think, A, the Patriots could do, and is there anybody non-Patriot-centric maybe someone that's going to go somewhere else that you really have your eye on with free agency now, just a couple weeks away. Yeah. Um, you mentioned it earlier, but right tackle feels like they need to make a run there. Um, whether it's the top guys in McGlinchey or Juwan Taylor, or whether they go a little lower and a guy like Caleb McGarry uh, from Atlanta, but they need to bring in a right tackle because the left tackle market isn't really there. Again, you never know about Orlando Brown. You never know about, uh, Donovan Smith, what he has left after he's going to get cut by uh, Tampa Bay. But those are questions. Smith's a question mark and Brown's probably not going to be there. So right tackle, bigger market, go get one of those guys. Um, As far as other teams, uh, I'm fascinated with what the Atlanta Falcons are going to do this offseason. Okay. And I loop in Lamar Jackson into that mix because – as you say, posturing season, Eric DaCosta, J- uh, John Harbaugh, all they've said is he's our guy. We're texting him. We're going to make it work. I just don't know if they're going to make it work. It doesn't seem like they really want to. And Atlanta has the second most cap space in the league. They can make a trade for Jackson work. And you have Kyle Pitts. You have Drake London, two young guys. Look, to, think about what Lamar has done in Baltimore with um, Mark Andrews, with Isaiah Likely. 
Yeah. Guys like that, tight end centrics. Do that same thing with Kyle Pitts in Atlanta with Lamar there. I, I, I it almost makes too much sense that it's not going to happen. So I look at them as a key team um, with with Lamar kind of being up in the air in Baltimore. The other team I look at are the Giants. They have the fourth most cap space. Daniel Jones might get franchised, but maybe they make a run at a quarterback too. Who knows? If they if they let Jones walk, bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers to New York. They need help with wide receivers, but that's where free agency comes in. Um, so those are two teams, and I'm just with this darkness retreat and everything that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. I I can't help but wonder where he's going to end up. And same with Derek Carr, because Derek Carr is a guy who, when healthy and when solid, is a top ten quarterback in the league, and he's going to make guys around him better. People like to give him a lot of crap for you know di- different things that have happened with the Raiders, but it it's never really been fully his fault. I even think he got the short end of the stick with with Ziegler and McDaniels. They signed him to an extension. Now they're just kind of letting him go. So I'm curious to see where those guys end up. But my main one is 100% Atlanta with Lamar. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I love that you brought up Atlanta because Tom Brady's gone now in Tampa Bay. That division is open for the tanking. I mean, the Saints, they're not – look, could they win the division? Yeah, but are you scared of them? If you're the Falcons with Lamar Jackson, you're not scared of anyone in that division. And Caroline, I think, is could be on the upswing. But still, they're not there yet. I mean, that, right. if you add Lamar Jackson, the Falcons win that division. And I think I see, they win it easily. Yeah, and I see uh, the Saints and the Panthers keep getting links to Derek Carr. I don't really fully understand why Carr would want to go to either of those teams. If I'm Carr, I go to the Jets because 100%. that's – a lot of teams say they're a quarterback away. The Jets actually are a quarterback 100%. away. And if the Giants have doubts about Daniel Jones, I could see that as an option yeah. as well. But I think – and I know the Giants made the playoffs and the Jets didn't. I think over the next few years, the Jets are set up better than the Jets. They just got such bad quarterback play. It kept mm-hmm. them out of it. Yeah, if I'm Carr, I'm looking at the Jets. Like, I'm looking at a real contender. Not I'm yeah. not looking at the Saints. I'm not looking at the Panthers. I'm no. not looking at Houston. I'm not looking at one of these crap teams that are not going to be good for two or three. Even, like I said, the Panthers are on the upswing. They're not there yet. Yeah, so, they're not there yet. And, and uh, yeah, so I agree. And and I, the Aaron Rodgers thing, that's going to hang over the whole off season, whether he yeah. goes to the Jets, wherever he ends up going, I think is going to be immediately a contender, but we'll see for how long. Like he could right. be a one year contender with the Jets. Like Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, to me, that's a team that should be in the divisional round at least. Mm-hmm. But is it one year? Is it three years? It, you never know with that guy. And he says he wants to not be Brett Favre and not, you know, hang over everybody's head, but that's exactly what he's done the last two years. Which and if he goes I just to the find Jets, hilarious. It'd be yeah, even exactly. more symmetry. You know, right. and then who knows? Maybe go to the Vikings in a couple of years or yeah. Detroit, you know, go to another NFC North team like right. Favre did. So, yeah, I, I think those are all great guys to watch. I think it's going to be an interesting free agency. You know, I yeah, think the is. Patriots, I would love Mike McGlinchey. You know, I, I would give you a high five through the screen if they got Mike McGlinchey. <laughs> yeah. But even if they go and get uh, Isaac Siamalu at guard and they move Mike on Wenu out, like yeah. I just want a solution to right tackle, Do whatever something. it is. Yes. <laughs> Make waves. I, not Connor McDermott. No disrespect. To right. him. He's your backup guy. He's uh-huh. not the guy. So I want McGlinchey. I take Taylor. I take Siamalu and, and move on Wenu out. I just want a solution there. Do you think, would they go corner? In free because Jamel Dean is there. I think Rocky mm-hmm. Sin is a really interesting name too. He played yeah. a man based scheme with the Raiders last year after playing a lot of zone in Indy. But Dean's going to be really expensive. Yassin is 26, but he was only in the Raiders one year, not as experienced in a similar scheme. Like, do you think they would put significant money to that outside corner, like we talked about for maybe in the second round of the draft? 
my thinking is that they're going to go at pick 46 with corner. Yeah. The only corner I see them bringing back is John Jones. I think yeah. they could re-sign Jonathan Jones. Um, maybe Jamel Dean. I don't think they'll go after Rocky Sin. Uh, unless Josh McDaniels have, has a rave review about him and, yeah. you know, is in Belichick's here. But um, Jamel Dean, maybe. But at the end of the day, I think it's John Jones is like, likely. He sounds like he wants to come back. It sounds like the team is hopeful that he can come back. But it's going to depend on the money. But I wouldn't be surprised if they re-sign him and then just tackle that boundary corner in the end of the at the second in the second round of the draft. Yeah, and the the advantage of John Jones is if Devin McCourty retires, I mean, he can play free safety. He's done right. it before. He's got the athletic skills, so you kind of solve that need and you get the boundary corner anyway. Yeah. At some I point. wonder about Jalen Mills going back to safety as well. That's another he did that in Philly a little bit. Yeah, that's a great option too. And and that part of that is the development of Jack Jones. Like if they feel right. really good about Jack Jones, then they can play him there at that other like that number two outside corner and get yep. a one. So and Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones, if those are your two slot corners, I mean you're That's in scary. great shape. Or oh, and even yeah. if one's the free safety and one's the slot corner, and you have Kyle Duggar at the other safety, and we've seen how much they want to do three safeties anyway. So they can do right. a three safety package with a John Jones, even though he's technically a corner, but you know, fitting into that role. So it all sounds great. I just hope they do something because I yeah. feel like we have all these conversations about these, like I, I mentioned, these three benchmark positions. And not that I wouldn't put it past them because they have sort of gone against the grain with Bill O'Brien and, you know, things of that nature. But I just want want them to do something. I'm hopeful they will, but, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I, I agree. And if they can at least go into the draft only needing like really one of those positions, like if they can go into the draft saying, we can take a left tackle because right tackle's all set, or we have our boundary corner and we're okay. Like if they can at least have one of those solved by the draft, I think mm-hmm. they'll be in much, much better shape. Totally. Last thing I want to ask you, Mike, Slade Bolden. Now everybody gets excited about Slade yep. Bolden, and I kind of like him as a slot piece. And you tweeted the other day when it came out that you didn't even think he could necessarily make the team, which, which is a fair take. What mm-hmm. I want to ask you, though, do you think this is evidence – of Bill O'Brien having a larger voice in offensive personnel because he coached Bolden at Alabama. Bolden played with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So do you think this is just them working a guy out, or do you think there is some evidence there that O'Brien has a bigger voice now? So, yeah, when it, when it came out from Mike Reese on was that yesterday morning, or was that Tuesday? It's It, it was, all – Yeah, it was yesterday. They, plans, yeah, they run together. Yeah, it all runs together when things like this happen. But when it first came out, I was like, oh, wow, here we go. Let Jacoby walk. Uh, Slade comes in, plays that slot. Bill O'Brien knows him, Mac knows him. It's going to be the next Brady Edelman, and everything's going to be, you know, uh, whatever you call it, flowers and rainbows, yeah. right? As I sort of came off my soapbox and was like, okay, it's probably not going to happen this way. But what it did tell me is that Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien have hands in this offseason, which is a great sign. Um, I don't know if Slade can make the team. He had an, a rough combine last year. He was hurt last season. Um, great player in college and a guy who had rapport with Mac, but I don't know about his chances of the team, but my biggest takeaway was that, okay, these guys at least have their hands in the offseason and maybe went to Bill Belichick and said, let's give this guy a chance. Mac worked with him. He has the rapport. O'Brien worked with him the following season. He knows he can be a, a quality player. Um, so it tells me that they're in Bill's ear saying, this is where we want to go with the offseason. And it just came out today. Mac Jones is actually working out with Slade Bolden. Yeah. Uh, they're in Massachusetts. Slade's here working out with Mac and his strength coach. So look, I don't know if he'll make the team, but 
he's a friend of Max. He seems excited to go. So yeah, it tells me that Max involved, which is a huge, a huge thing. You want your quarterback to be involved in your offseason. And I think an, another huge piece of it is at least they're going to attempt to have a real quick slot in their offense, yeah. which is something for 20 years, whether it was Troy Brown, Wes Welker, yep. Julian Edelman, the guy that could get six yards on third and five. So yep. valuable. And totally. they haven't really had that since Edelman retired. I mean, love Jacoby Myers, just not really his game. Right. So I, I wonder if this is a signal too. they're going to at least try to address that, which again, I think that would be good. I think your point that Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones have some input, I think is really valuable. Obviously it's ultimately yeah. is Belichick's decision. We all know, you know, Tom doesn't make personnel decisions. I know Mac right. doesn't either, but them having input, especially Bill O'Brien, because he's going to yeah, be calling it's it, huge. I think is super valuable. Yeah. Well, that is Mike Cadlick. I'm John Lyons. Mike, it was a pleasure having you on Coach Time today. Thank you so much for taking the time. And if you need to find Mike's work, CLNS Media, he's on Twitter all the time, posting videos, posting tweets. Great follow on Twitter. Great follow at CLNS. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. John, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Please stay tuned for a quick word from our sponsors, and then I will be right back with the rest of Coach Time. Back here on Coach Time, I'm John Lyons, your host. A huge thank you to Mike Cadlick for joining us earlier in the show. Just a few things I want to get to before we wrap things up. I thought he brought up some great points about the combine and the value of the interview process of it, as well as how the overall testing numbers, we talked about that, are more important than any one drill, but the combine can still be really valuable when it comes to the interview process. And NFL free agency is right around the corner. And for me, when I look at free agency as a whole, I think Mike McGlinchey is, to me, he's not maybe the biggest name on the market. He could end up having the most impact. If he goes to the right situation, When I know we talked about him in a Patriots lens, but if he solidifies right tackle in a league that offensive line play has been very thin, like there's been good offensive linemen, and we saw two of the better offensive lines in the NFL played in the Super Bowl, so it matters, but not a lot of teams have depth. And not a lot of teams have five legit quality starters. If he goes to the right situation and is a legit quality starter, that's going to make as much a difference as pretty much anyone other on the market, Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson notwithstanding. They're the biggest. And the other thing I want to talk about too is he mentioned Atlanta and Atlanta being a target for Lamar Jackson. If I'm the Atlanta Falcons or I'm the New York Jets, I'm going all in for Lamar Jackson. The Atlanta Falcons, and Mike outlined this, they have Kyle Pitts. They have Drake London. They have a younger team up and coming, and they're in a division that is very winnable with an elite quarterback like Lamar Jackson. So if I'm them, I go all in for Lamar Jackson. And the New York Jets, I talked about this on the show last week, no-brainer. So I'm glad he brought up the Falcons. I think the Jets as well are a team that should go all in for Lamar Jackson. I think that would make a lot of sense for them. Last thing I want to talk about as far as the NFL goes, and it's been a big week, for NFL news, Jalen Carter, potential number one overall pick warrant is issued for his arrest on misdemeanor charges relating to a January 15th accident that killed two members of the Georgia football program. Look, this is the bears are thinking of trading this pick. So this is a huge deal in multiple ways. First of all, the legal side of it. And is there any culpability for him and what happened in this tragic incident? The actual number one pick of okay, do the Bears love him enough to take him at one? Does this affect that? They've already been reports. There's already been mentioned. They're open for business at number one. Does a team that was going to trade to number one and want him, now are they shying away? Or now do the Bears think, hey, we can trade down. Maybe he'll fall and we'll still get him. 
and we'll see how long it takes for these charges and this whole issue to be resolved. If it's not before the draft, I think it's going to put a lot of teams on eggshells, especially at the top of the draft, who may want him as a player. And even if you say, oh, the misdemeanor might not make a huge difference, and it probably won't, but if it causes him to miss part of the offseason program, part of training camp, maybe there's a team that instead of wanting to trade up for one, they say, well, maybe we'll wait till pick five and see if we can get him then. So we could see him fall a little bit, or if it is resolved, we could see teams really get aggressive to try to get that number one pick if that issue is resolved. So that, to me, a lot of stories this week. That's one of the biggest, that not just now to watch, but to watch for the next two months. Because between now and the draft, we've just under two months. How that number one pick is going to go and the value trading for it is dependent on this. If Jalen Carter all of a sudden is not available or it looks like this is going to affect at least the early part of his career, even just his first year, that maybe makes the number one pick a little less valuable. Whereas if it's he comes out fine and he's fully available, then that number one pick has that same value the number one pick always has. So that's a story very much worth monitoring. Well, this was a great episode of Coach Time. And my fifth one in, really enjoyed it. Huge thank you again to Mike Cadlick for joining the show today. I'm John Lyons. I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please subscribe. Feel free to send me any questions or anything you want talked about on the pod. And other than that, have a great weekend.